Hey there, folks. Welcome to The Jason Rice Show. I've got a great show for you today with Brian Thompson, the director of the Human Performance Center at Christus Mother Francis. Brian is a former Division I athlete. He was a football player at Texas A&M, and that was cut short whenever he sustained a career-ending back injury. And so from that point forward, after he graduated, he has devoted his life to health and human performance science. He is one of the leading experts in his field, and it's always great to have him on. Well, this episode just goes to show that even the most experienced experts among us are susceptible to injury. Things happen. And Brian and I on this conversation discuss a uh, a tear that he suffered that was on a tendon connecting his quadricep to his knee. Uh, weird, just going down some stairs, but that's the point. If it can happen to Brian, it can happen to anyone. And what we do in this conversation is we take you through the things that Brian does to prevent injury on a just on an ongoing basis, and then once he got hurt, how he dealt with that. Now, that's where this took a really great and beneficial turn. Even though we set out to discuss the ways to prevent injury, how to deal with going through an injury, how to recover more efficiently and quickly, and then once you're you're post-surgery, how to get yourself back to 100%, we talked a lot about mindset. Brian talks about how his mindset and goal setting and journaling and all these things that have to do more with mental strength than physical strength or what helped him get through this period much more efficiently. So it's an incredible conversation with a lot of wisdom in it that Brian brings to to anyone who may have endured some sort of a a setback. And it doesn't have to just be a physical ailment or something of that nature. Anytime our bodies decide to shut down on us, we have a setback, we have a choice to make. We are either going to handle it and we are going to conquer it, or we we are going to allow it to conquer us. And so Brian, being the warrior that he is, he conquered this injury, uh, and it's just a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, please click like or subscribe, and if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please take the time to leave a five-star review and share this with anyone who you think might be able to benefit Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy this episode of The Jason Wright Show with Brian Thompson of the Christus Human Performance Center. Enjoy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Jason Wright Show. I'm excited to have Brian Thompson back to talk to us today. As a reminder, Brian is a frequent guest on the show. Can't get enough of his wisdom and knowledge. He is the director of sports medicine, as well as pretty much everything that happens at the Human Performance Center at Christus. And I love that we're talking to you about this, Brian, because I, I hate that this happened to you, but I know that you sustained an injury. Was it your first? I mean, you're a, 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 I mean, a, an incredible blue chip or former blue chip D1 athlete that suffered injury. But here recently, as a still incredibly athletic guy, you had an incident, had to have some work done. And so, and you're also a human performance expert. So you were prepared for something like this happening. Then you've had to heal through it. And now you're on the other side of it. So I'm really excited. Again, I hate that you went through this, but I love that it (laughs) happened to someone like you. So, because you make such a great case study for the things we love to talk about on the show. So I guess, and we'll go however you want to with it. But I am pretty curious about kind of the things that you always do before, you know, before this happened, what you're doing to constantly keep yourself resilient, the training you do, balance work, stretch work, all of that. And would you do anything different? I know one of the things that I think we'll probably cover today is that your recovery was probably infinitely faster and quicker than most because of the precautions and the work that you did prior to, which I think that's something I really want to, you know, hone in on during this conversation for the audience that it's not just about being an athlete. It's not just about keeping yourself safe if you are an athlete, but also in the instance that you do get hurt, because it can happen to any of us. It happened to you. I mean, the director of, you know, you are the human performance guy, right? It can happen to anyone. So with that, I know that's a lot of babbling, but I'm just kind of excited to, to kind of dive into this. So let's start with kind of 
where you were up to the injury and this kind of the chronological uh, order of events and then how you have processed through the or walked through this uh, to in a way that this audience can kind of take some notes and think to themselves, how can I prevent it? If it happens, here's what I do. And here's how I recover quickly. So with all that, BT, take us through this. Well, Jason, first off, the first thing I got to do is I got to thank you again for allowing me to come back on your show. This has been an absolute privilege. I believe this is the third time I have been on your show. And uh, every single time that I'm on it, it's just an absolute privilege. So thank you again so much for allowing me to come back on your show. It's absolutely just a, an honor for me. So thank you. But um, to answer you kind of your question, though, to kind of start this whole thing off, uh, yes, I was a former Division One football player. I've uh, sustained multiple injuries throughout my career, and uh, I actually lost uh, or had to retire from football due to a lumbar, which is the lower back um, injury as well. So uh, I'm no, uh, I guess you could say, rookie to injuries or even surgeries when it comes to that. So, uh, but the fact is, though, is um, this particular injury kind of really stuck with me because I was very unfamiliar with this particular type of injury that I got. And uh, probably about six weeks beforehand, I was getting into really, I guess I could say, the best shape of my life at that time. I had uh, just finished a trip in Bozeman, Montana, where we did hours upon hours and an uncountable amount of miles of hiking. And uh, it was absolutely incredible. Did uh, Everything was perfectly fine. I was also training for the upcoming High Rocks event in Dallas, Texas, which has kind of become my new obstacle course racing. I really love that sport. And uh, that's a story for another time. But um, one day I got a phone call uh, that uh, my mother needed some help at her house. And so I had to leave work a little early and uh, I was a little bit distracted. There was no doubt about that, but I was just walking down the stairs. No big deal. It was as if just, it was an another day. And the next thing you know, I'm on the floor. So I had just fallen down the stairs my knee tried to uh, catch me and it just didn't work. And I just fell to the floor. And uh, when I hit the floor, I was in shock. I knew exactly what had happened. My kneecap was not where it was supposed to be. And um, I, I just knew right then and there, though, immediately that surgery was going to have to happen. I just didn't know the extent of the knee injury at that time. It was my left knee. So um, when the nurses came down and finally got me back up to where we needed to be, I could not extend my leg and my left leg. And uh, at the time, I was thinking that my MCL, my ACL, possibly some tendon problems in there, and even my even my PCL might have been completely gone because I'm 42 years old. Um, you know, I'm not uh, in the kind of I'm not as young as I used to be. My joints aren't really as stable as they used to be. So I was thinking worst case scenario. But the good news was is that when they tested out the ACL, the MCL, and all the primary joints in there, everything was stable and fine. All that was okay but I still couldn't extend my left leg. So they did an MRI as quickly as possible, and it turned out that I had ruptured my quadricep tendon. Now, Jason, this is kind of where it gets interesting. The fact is, is that I had never heard of an injury like that before. I had never heard of an NFL player rupturing his quad. I had never heard of, uh, I've just had never heard of anything of this kind of nature before, ever. So I was very, very scared. I was in a situation that I had never been in before. And, uh, you know, the whole, the only thing that I could do at this point in time was basically just trust the system, trust the doctors and really push forward and, uh, just maneuver my way through this injury. But, uh, to answer your question when you, uh, for that, and by the way, thank you for that wonderful introduction, by the way. But, um, one of the things that was told to me throughout this whole entire process was if I had not been in the kind of shape that I was already in, then it could have been so much worse because the musculatures around behind, uh, behind the knee, which is the hamstring muscles and below the knee, which is the calf structure. If those had not been in the kind of shape they were in, they wouldn't have protected the MCL, the ACL or all the other ligaments. The fact of the matter is though, is the reason why this injury happened was just because it was an accident and it could have been so much worse if my legs had not been in the kind of shape they were when I was preparing for that high rocks event. And used to going upstairs, downstairs, well, excuse me, uphill, downhill, and things of that kind of nature. So from a pre-medical um, perspective or a pre-surgery perspective, the reason why uh, there was not a war their injury could have been so much worse was because my quadriceps were already strong and stable. Uh, my hamstrings were doing their job by training them hard and heavy. Uh, my calf structure was actually doing very well in the lower limb. And uh, on the other part, um, my VMO, which is the teardrop muscle right on the inside of the knee, 
uh, that is part of the knee joint that I pay very special attention to in my own personal training. So um, from a pre-surgery perspective, I already had that on my side. And I was even told by the doctors and multiple medical professionals, um, including a friend of mine from Chicago, uh, said that uh, if you are strong already pre-surgery, the surgery is going to go much better and your recovery time is not going to take near as long. And it's going to be a much more pleasurable, that's probably, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but it's going to be a much more meaningful experience. I guess you could say it won't be quite as bad. So, all right. So I think there's something, there's a couple of things to dive into there. The first one is, sure. all right, explain to the, the listener out there, because I, the, the tendon, I, and man, that is a weird thing. So I guess there's a tendon that would be at the base of your quadricep that connects it to the knee, and that, that's where you had the problem, right? That's, that's a, that is a weird place to have something like that happen. It really is, and that's why this whole situation kind of caught me so off guard is because I had never even heard about it, to be honest with you. I didn't even, I mean, I'm a, I've been through anatomy, and I've been to school for all this kind of thing, though, but you just wouldn't think something like this could ever really happen. So uh, the quadricep tendon is the tendon that is right below the bottom part of the quadricep muscle that attaches to the kneecap. So uh, it's basically kind of like uh, at the top of the knee, at the bottom of the quad. So when your knee uh, kind of bends forward like this, when you're falling, it overextends, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. And uh, that's and if the tendon is overstretched when you're falling forward, for example, uh, then, then the quadricep tendon is going to either uh, pop or overstretch. Now, what we were hoping for is that it was only going to be a modified uh, stretch or a modified tear, which would not require surgery. But unfortunately, mine was a 100% tear. Dude, God, that's terrible. And so therefore, listeners, if you're, it just goes to show, and, and by the way, you're walking downstairs. I think most people listening to this at some point in their life are going to be walking downstairs. So it can, in fact, happen to anyone. And I know one of the things that you and I have talked about, and this is where I want to talk while we're on this kind of uh, pre-injury discussion you and i've talked about mm -hmm. the work of ben patrick and he's over to toes guy that has in in a lot of the things that we're hearing more about with regard to protecting the knees protecting the tendons near the knee uh what are some of those things now uh, granted you were training for a specific event you train anyway all the time to keep yourself in peak physical condition to the average listener out there just the, the average joe that thinks you know what? I'm never going to, I'm going to always skip leg day. I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to do resistance training of any kind. I think we've made the case that, yeah, you probably should, but kind of what would be your minimum effective dose, Brian, for someone who wants to, again, it can happen to anyone. So therefore it might happen to any listener of this, of this show today, but also how they can set themselves up though for success in the instance that this happens. What's the minimum effective dose that you would just from exercise? How long? How? What's the dosage? What's the actual movements that you would re, you would uh, recommend? Both for somebody that will only do body weights, those that will actually go to the weight room or the garage and do kind of some resistance training. What is that minimum effective dose as you see it? To answer that question, if uh, let, let's begin from a perspective of uh, if you have somebody out there in your listeners who like to only do body weights, for example. My advice to you would be to learn how to body weight squats. If you can just accomplish 50 body weight squats perfectly uh, with throughout the day, 50 total in a day, then you're going to be able to set yourself up for much more success when it comes to walking upstairs and walking downstairs. Your knees are going to be stronger. Your quads are going to be stronger. You're going to have much better mobility through the hips. And your hip structure overall is going to be much better. My second piece of advice on that one for body weight trainers out there or for people who are listening to the show right now, would be also to learn how to do the walking lunge. Not a lunge in place or not just split squats, but to actually learn how to do walking lunges. The reason why is because the walking lunge activates so much more of your gluteus muscle, uh, which is your butt muscle. Um, and if that is strong, then the entire uh, portion of your entire lower body is going to be much stronger. Always remember that if you can master a bodyweight squat, and walking lunges uh, for maybe uh, throughout the day, if you can get in maybe 40 yards to 50 yards. I know that sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. But if you can just master those two movements from a body weight perspective, you're going to set yourself up for success. And uh, if, God forbid, you ever do fall, your hips and your legs are going to be much more prepared uh, to take on the trauma of something of that kind of nature if you master those two movements. 
one of the thing I, things I like about these two movements, I'd like to get your take on this, is those are great little micro workout uh, moves too. I mean, they you are. can do those throughout the day. That's one of the things that I've come to appreciate more as I've gotten older is that uh, one, there are two things. One, you don't have to isolate your training to some soul-crushing workout early in the morning or whenever you get your workouts in. And two, I am of the thought that if you're just getting up and doing your 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 workout, morning workout, whatever that dose is for the day, and that's it. The rest of the day, you're sitting at a desk. You're never doing a push-up. You're never doing an air squat. You're never doing the walk. You're not doing anything else. Then you're probably doing it wrong. It's it it, it so even if you if if you do the workout, I think those micro workouts throughout the day are absolutely fantastic to keep your body moving. But secondly, if you're not going to do the prescribed workout, then at least go through the day and do something. You everybody can get up and do an air squat. Everybody can do some walking lunges. Now, one of the things I got a question about is the form on the walking lunge. So I've seen both. I, I, I referred to Ben Patrick earlier, the knees over toes guy. So. He does. And I think whenever you did my uh, my test, you reiterated this to me that it's better that we extend the knee over the toe, like more of a, a long extension versus what I'd probably always done prior to that would just be like a 90 degree bend in my leg and straight down. What is the form that you recommend to get the most bang for our buck on this? Uh, that's a very good question. And I do not want there to be any um, uh, confusion in this. When it comes to a split squat, which is basically doing a lunge movement in place, I absolutely recommend uh, that you take the knee over the toe because that is going to activate the VMO muscle a little bit more, which yet again is that teardrop muscle right on the inside of the knee. It's also going to incorporate more gluteus activation, and it's also going to incorporate the hamstrings as well. So, But you only need to master that one only to a certain extent uh, from a split squat perspective. And... Uh, I would not recommend that when, if you decide to use heavier weight, probably I would say 40 pound dumbbells or above, uh, or if you have a barbell on your back or on the front section of your, uh, on the front, I would not recommend doing the knees over the toes, uh, when the weight gets very heavy. So, but from a body weight perspective and from a lightweight perspective, and you're doing a lot more repetitions, say anywhere between 15, 25, for example, or maybe even 10 to 15 to really challenge yourself, then by all means go right ahead. But it all depends primarily on how much flexibility you have in the hip flexor or the psoas muscle. And uh, if you're just not quite ready to get, if you're not moving uh, very far in that direction because of flexibility issues, keep working on it and it'll end up getting there. So to answer uh, your overall question about the walking lunge, it, it, you need to take it to what's your body. You need to listen to your body. If your body is telling you that you're not quite ready to go all the way uh, knee in front of the toe, don't do it. Only go in the walking lunge as far as your hip flexor allows you to go. That's going to keep the knee safe. That's going to keep your hip flexor safe. And it's basically just going to be you telling your body, uh, your body telling you what to do in that perspective. One of the workout or not workouts, one of the actual moves that I've started doing probably within the last year, just because I didn't know anything about it until I heard how important it was. Mm -hmm. And now I do is depth chargers where I'm getting up on an elevated level, like a, like one of my boxes and jumping off the box and landing real soft. And it's one of those things, Brian, yes. that that if when you see it happen, even when you do it, you feel like this can't be doing anything. But I, mm -hmm. I, I do it because uh, all the smart people like you say that I should do it, so I do it. Talk a little bit about what a depth charger is, what it's what's going on there, and would it be something that, as we're training for prevention and overall longevity in this regard, is that helpful? And kind of just, just give the listener an understanding of what this exercise that they sure. probably have never thought about, because they're always hearing box jumps, box jumps, box jumps, right? As opposed to yes. actually the reverse. So talk a little bit about that. Well, Jason, what's kind of funny, let me ask you a question since we're talking about from an injury perspective. You don't have to answer, but this is something, though, that's kind of uh, that might get into the minds of your listeners. The fact is, though, is that when you fall or if you have an accident that actually causes an injury, most of the time, like my, my injury, for example, was an eccentric movement, which means mm -hmm. that I was falling forward. Yep. So the fact is, though, is that my body was already used to that action. And the movement you were just asking me about, though, was called, uh, you call them depth chargers. As a strength coach, we always call them depth jumps. Okay. So in other words, what it is, it's all about the concept of learning how to control an eccentric action. Because in sports sports are uh, basically you're going out there and you know what sport you're playing you know what your jobs are 
Uh, you know what you need to do in order to get better at the sport or what play you're about to make or some of that kind of nature, but you can never predict what's going to happen from one play to the next, from one minute to the other. And if your body is prepared for the unknown, uh, then you're going to be much more, um, your chances of injury are going to decrease dramatically. And that's what my personal training program is all about is training for the unknown, which I think we spoke about moderately in the last time, uh, in your last time we spoke, but the depth jump is all about jumping off of a box and eccentrically taking on that load and allowing your body to learn what it is to take on the trauma and stabilize itself. So you need to think of it kind of more of like learning how to both develop power through a stabilization perspective and taking on that eccentric load. And if you if your body, your knees, for example, um, and even your lower back, your hips, and uh, even your and uh, your overall spinal column and your overall posture learns how to take on that load, then your chances for uh, injury are going to decrease dramatically. But at the same time, if you do get injured, your body is going to be able to protect itself so much better by learning how to do all of that. And what I've always said as a strength coach is that speed is a learned skill and needs to be practiced on a yearly basis. And depth jumps are all about, is, is the same thing. It's about learning. If you learn how to take on that load and learn how to do those movements, you're then you're, then you're setting yourself up for, uh, then you're not saying that you're setting yourself up for success. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I've started, Brian, to really, I don't know, it started to be more impactful for me is just this idea that. It's like we talked about before sprinting. No one sprints after 30 or no one sprints. I mean, well before then, you know, we sprint when we're little kids, but nobody sprints anymore. Nobody jumps off things and lands unless they have to. And I think that because our body gets so conditioned to just a very, for the most part, safe climate controlled environment, smooth surfaces, everything's just kind of already preconditioned to meet the, the, the human needs in such a way that it's ergonomically so pleasing and expected that our body kind of just, it goes in a, a snooze phase. And then all of a sudden something happens where you have to jump or you, it's like these people that you hear that they jump off of just the smallest little ledge and have some dramatic injury from it. You know, it's like, I've started yes. trying to focus, especially as I get older to on putting my body in not compromising positions, but simulated challenging positions that I'm just not going to go through on through day-to-day -day life. For this very reason, so that if in, in the instance that I do jump off a high surface or, or have to make a quick move that I normally wouldn't make, that my body's not just completely shocked into injury as a result of this, this new weird movement. So I think that's really important. Well, I think that's a, and unless you want to add to it, I think that what you've just given the listeners is a great description of how to prepare to, to avoid these sorts of injuries, but also with the caveat that it can literally happen to anyone. So unless you got some, something yes. else, let's talk about, all right, so you had the injury, now you've got the surgery. So now it's like, how do we optimize that recovery at the highest level possible? What did you do? Yes. What did you learn? And let me ask you this real quick. Just This has nothing to sure. do necessarily. With, I don't know how beneficial, other than maybe some kind of uh, getting in your headspace a little bit. When I get sick, injured, or anything like that, I get pissed at myself. I'm mad. I start thinking, <laughs> what the hell did I do wrong? And I, I know enough about you to know that you are a type A kind of guy. Was there any part of you that when the injury happened that you said, crap, this is not supposed to happen to someone like me? And did you second guess anything? Did you would, Have you made any changes to your preventative work or just your, your overall work? Since you had this injury, like anything that we've talked about, is that something that you've added or have you taken away? Did it make any change or were you able to just truly internalize that, look, I'm human. This can happen to the best of us. I, I, I still believe in what, in the science and what I have practiced to take care of myself. So therefore it just could have happened. Did you go through any of that? Cause I know I would beat the hell out of myself just because I'm, I'm, that's one of my biggest deficiencies. <laughs> How did you handle it? No, to answer your question, not for one moment in time did I allow myself to get angry because in a situation like this, because it was an accident. And if you start blaming yourself for accidents, that is going to slow your recovery. I am a big believer that laughter, uh, that being positive is the best medicine for anyone who is sick, for anyone who is injured. And so from the moment 
that I saw that my kneecap was not where it was supposed to be, I stayed in a good mood. From the second that the nurses brought me up to the uh, uh, to the room to get observed by Dr. Kurgosian and Dr. Tabola, I stayed in a good mood. I was joking with the ladies when they were taking me up to the MRI machine. I was trying to tell them about what the next nine months were going to be like because I had pretty much already made up in my mind where this was going to go. I didn't know the extent of the injury, but I refused to be in a bad mood. When we got the diagnosis, when we got the game plan, what I made up in my mind on the on the three days before the surgery was this. I was never going to be a bad patient to the doctors and the nurses. I was going to be a still a phenomenal husband to my wife who was going to, who took such a did such a great job taking care of me. And I was not going to make her pay the price for that. I was going to be uh, upfront and honest and um, awesome to my mother, like always. And I was just going to continue with work as if nothing had happened. But if people who get injured, it is so easy to get angry. And, and people are going to do that. But the way I looked at it is that I told myself that if I could stay in a good mood and mentally prepare for what was about to come forward, then I was going to be able to just continue getting away from this injury as quickly as possible and getting back to what I was doing. So one of the things that I am so proud of is the day of the surgery when I got back home. My wife put me up in bed. We got my leg elevated. We started icing it. I got a notebook and I wrote down what my goals were going to be for the next six weeks. And uh, my primary goal for the first six weeks while I was on bed rest was to, number one, always stay in a good mood. Never under any circumstances get angry. Always joke, no matter how much pain I was in, no matter how uh, desperate I was to get back into the gym or do my the work that I was doing, I basically told myself, it is time to stop thinking about all of that and say to yourself right now, the bed, that's where your gym is. You've got to figure out a way in your bedroom or wherever you are at that time to figure out a way to keep continue getting your blood flowing. But uh, to answer your question, though, I don't want to ramble on about this, but uh, I've always said to myself that, that I, f I found ways to laugh. I found ways to joke around with my wife and my mom whenever she would call, whenever my family and friends and associates would call to see how I was doing. Um, I joked around with them and I even made fun of myself for the injury, to be honest with you, just anything I could do to keep myself in a positive mood. But um, during the time that I was on bed rest, you know, which was uh, pre-physical therapy and everything of that nature, I still worked from home. I still made many, many phone calls. But the thing that I was so proud of is that I made up this homemade band workout that was all upper body. And uh, I would literally sit uh, in a chair right next to my bed and I would do Three, all kinds of band work from a pressing perspective, from rowing, overhead pressing, uh, modified twisting, anything that I could do just to keep the blood flowing. And that just gave me something to look forward to throughout the day. So I just tried to keep things as normal as possible. And on a personal note, um, I have two cats. So they would always come in and try to keep me company and they would want to jump on my hurt leg. They just were going all over the place and they were, they always kept me company throughout the day, but they were so fun to watch while they were, and they were, they kept me company all day. But, uh, but overall though, Jason, just to, to answer your question though, I truly believe that one of the reasons why I was so well prepared to go into physical therapy was because, because I was positive, because I was in a good mood, I would end up, because I kept all that blood flow going during that time while I was, for those seven weeks that I was on bed rest, um, that prepared me to go into physical therapy so much better than whereas if I had just sat in a bed and felt sorry for myself and got angry at the world and was just a terrible patient. That was not going to do any good for anybody, especially my wife, my mother, my friends, my associates. And plus also, I had, an, I had many departments that I had to get back to for work. And not only did I want to get back in the gym, I had a lot of people who were depending on me back at work that needed me back there. So that was another thing that was going through my mind is I had to remain positive for them. So um, that was another thing that was going through my mind the entire time was that this was not just about me. This was about a lot of other people at the same time. And that gave me the motivation to really push forward. I think that's such good advice because that's one of the things that few people take. They, they just either they haven't been trained, they haven't thought about it. But these people that are chronically ill, I've got family members that are chronically sick in bed. And, they're, and if you look at they're overweight and they talk about the illness all the time, they talk about what's wrong, they can't laugh about it. And even if they are limited in their movements and their ability to, to do certain things, they don't take advantage of those things that they still have 100% control over. They just let that thing that they can't do dominate. And, um, 
And that's, and I've learned in my life, like I will, I, the, one of the things I do, I don't get depressed about injury or hurt. I'll get frustrated. I'll do what I do though, is I analyze what could I, I blame myself if to a certain degree, yeah. in your case, I think I would, I, I want to think I would handle that one better. Cause they're just literally, you can't, you can only do so much for a, some random thing like that. I think I'd be pretty, I'd exactly. be okay. But like one of the things we just came from, like I told you, we just got back from New York city. And whenever I travel, especially during the colder months, if I get so much as a sniffle, I start just inventorying everything I've eaten, all my activities, because <laughs> I just refuse to, I'm like, there's no way I can get sick. But if I do, it's just proof that it can happen to anyone because I've taken every single precaution. I've tried to get the sleep. I've tried to get the rest. I've tried to, you know, pump the vitamin C in and the, and all the, the, the right nutrients. Um, but I can tell you, man, what you just said is such good advice for everyone listening that if you don't want an injury to go any longer than it has to, if you don't want an illness to go any longer than it has to, then just, and also the, the self-talk. And I mean, telling your body, Hey, you're going to get through this. You're going to push through this. My wife gets frustrated at me sometimes. Cause if I get a sniffle, I work out harder. I, I I'm going to tell her, I'm going to push it out of my body. It's not allowed. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, right. get rid of it. So I think that is, I'm, I'm glad I asked that question because I think what you said was just incredibly profound advice. So you did, you just mentioned, you did some makeshift um, exercise and working out those areas that you could. What are some other things that you did during the recovery process that you think made it a successful and efficient recovery? Because I know whenever I talked to you, right after it happened, we came to do an interview and you said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to set the record for the fastest to get through this. You know, I'm going to be, they say, whatever it was, nine months, I'm going to do this in five. You know, what are the yes. things that you did in addition to the positive attitude, finding the exercise you could do, whether it was when you, whenever you did physical therapy, I know that's a part of it. People go, oh God, I've got to go to physical therapy. What was your mindset going into that? And how did you get the most out of, out of working with the professionals that had helped you recover? Jason, when physical therapy started, I took that on as one of the greatest. And basically I looked at it as the biggest challenge of my entire athletic life. I basically kind of went back to my 18 to 25 year old mindset and saying, I looked at this injury. I looked at this thing and here was what I said to myself, this injury, I don't need to be ready for this injury. This injury needs to be ready for me. So when I went to my first day and got my assessment at physical therapy, I was given some home remedy exercises to do. And they said, Brian, we know this is probably not going to happen, but we're asking you if there's a chance that you can do these seven movements. Um, three times a day. Now we know that that's asking a lot, but uh, it really would help you if you could get that done. And Jason, this is absolutely no joke. Not only did I do it three times a day, I did it five times a day. And I was still icing my leg for not just 20 minutes a day, a couple of, a couple of times a day. I was doing it for hours a day. Everything that I was doing during the course of that protocol was based on getting those movements done, icing it, and I was taking supplement after supplement uh, to try to keep myself healthy. It wasn't based primarily on getting stronger, but it was based primarily on just staying healthy. And um, I was also continuing the upper body movements at the same time, which means that uh, my body was continuously staying strong or basically staying as healthy as it possibly could. So when I went into physical therapy, I was in uh, the best shape I could be at that point. But uh, when I went in there uh, for the first actual session, the first couple of uh, sessions were all about flexibility. And Jason, this is absolutely no joke. I have, uh, I am uh, not a glutton for pain, but I have a lot of good endurance for pain. But when they started stretching that knee out the first time, it was absolutely on a scale of one to 10, about a 12 in the concept of pain. But these physical therapists here at Christmas Trinity Mother Francis Orthopedics are amazing. They are the best of the best that I have ever seen. And they just did an incredible job, but they did not hold back and they had no mercy on me. And so when it got, when it hurt more, I, I told them to go further. When they started, when it seemed like it was, there was no holding back that they were going to rip the quad all over again. I told them to keep going. And, uh, every single time that I went and saw them for, uh, which I believe was, I wish I could, I, I wish I could remember how, how long I actually went to physical therapy. It was, uh. I want to say maybe eight weeks. I think it was two months if I remember correctly, but every, my goal was every single day was to make an improvement. And when I was getting more mobile, um, I would walk around my house and I would walk around the Christmas uh, center uh, on my crutches to get some walking in. Uh, I would continue my upper body work. 
And uh, when I was able to get back into the gym again, because when I was mobile enough to do that, this is one of my favorite stories is I would actually go to our equipment in the Human Performance Center and I would sit down in a chair and I would literally do rows in a chair. So anything that I could possibly do to give myself strength. So while I was in physical therapy, while I was activating my legs again, I was uh, getting stronger in the upper body. So if you combo that together, uh, that's going to end up kind of pushing the reset button and kind of helping this recovery process go much faster. So I was just doing every little thing I possibly could. And during that time, I was also watching uh, movies like Tommy Boy, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, you know, Minute Work, anything that I could possibly do to make myself laugh. And um, I was eating uh, healthy foods, but at the same time, I was also enjoying myself, uh, trying to, you know, really just having such a fun time with my wife. And, uh, but I was just, if there was anything at my disposal that I could do to make this process go faster, again, it was, it was a mindset of just saying this injury has got to be ready for me. And uh, before you know it, I was on a treadmill uh, jogging again. I was on a bike, uh, biking again. Um, I was doing pistol squats and leg extensions, and I was uh, going up and down stairs again. And every day was an improvement. And it was just like, it was, it was one of the most fulfilling and rewarding and amazing experiences. I know this sounds crazy though, but this injury really showed me that if you are strong in the mind, then you can accomplish whatever you want though, when it comes to anything physical. I think that's so important. And that's, you know, it's almost like, I know that wasn't really even our intention <clears throat> for this episode, but I'm glad it's taken that, that route because again, you are so right. So much of our attitude and we know this, all the research shows it that the, our, our mental, our, our mental state and our mindset and how we react. I mean, that's Victor Frankl's, you know, man, search for meeting logotherapy. It's all about yes. how we react to those incidences that happen. Those, those, those tragedies we, and, and like Victor Frankl said, it's the last of the human freedoms is to choose our attitude and how we will handle any given situation in our life. And the way you, you did it, it just, it's a testament. And, and I also think that like one of the things for me at this point in my life, it, it, there's few things that will really rattle my cage, like being you know, injured or sick because my training means so much to me. I don't have hobbies. I don't, it, it's, it's, it's just what I love to do so much. And so I really have to, um, in, in, when I do have those times where I have to pull back for whatever reason, I really have to get myself in a state of mind that is, that is healthy. But what you said is very cool, man, because it's what, it's exactly how I handle it. It becomes a challenge. How quickly can I overcome this? How, how can I leverage the other training I've put in, which is my mental training to get through the other? We, I mean, as men in a, in 2024, we don't get to slay a lot of saber tooth tigers anymore. We're not out there, you know, <laughs> slaying dragons, uh, in the uh, old school sense of the word. So when these times come up, it's almost like, all right, heck yeah, I have a dragon to slay and let's go slay it. And I love right. the way you handled that. And I got to believe that it made the whole thing. And it's a, it's a whole reframing, right? It's like, oh, this isn't, this is just a battle. It's just another challenge and battle in life that I've been given. Like, I know you do a lot of the, um, the, uh, Spartan races and a lot of these, these unbelievably physically challenging uh, races. That's who, that's who you are. Well, this just became one you didn't ask for. You didn't sign up for it and you don't get a medal and a t-shirt for it, but you were there. So you went ahead and you, you, you ran the race. And so very cool. Now, how much, and, and when you're going through this, so they had a timeline set, how long did it take you to get through kind of physical therapy, the prescribed physical therapy to a point where you felt like you were kind of maybe 80 to 90% where from injured from surgery to, okay, I can get back to doing my normal routines with some care, making sure you don't just completely, you know, you don't go too, too hard, too fast. What was that time frame? What did right. that look like? How long are we talking? I would say for me personally, it took about uh, probably about four and a half to five months is when I started feeling confident again, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, uh, but overall though, yeah, but overall though, it took about, uh, I actually kept a 180 day calendar. Uh, I actually kept a journal and a training, uh, kind of a journal slash training log of everything I did at my house, uh, from a, uh, from physically, mentally, even spiritually, I kept the journal of everything. Um, I, everything that I was feeling those weeks, I wrote it down, but, uh, 
I, I, it took about a hundred, I would say I took about a 180 day calendar to where I felt like I was fully confident again. Now, the fact is though, is that here I am a little over 180 days. I think it's about 191 days now, if I remember correctly. And uh, I am still taking care of this injury. I'm not sprinting just yet. Uh, I'm still got a few more months left before I can start doing that again. But the fact is, though, is that I'm back to my old regimen, which is uh, lower body, uh, upper body, and core, and then repeating the process throughout the week. So I'm back to my regular pattern again. I'm walking upstairs and downstairs uh, with confidence and uh, care and carefree. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm carefree, but I'm careful at the same time. I know that kind of contradicts, but it's getting better every time. Let's put it that way. And uh, I'm back to doing my conditioning workouts again, and my goal is to use all of the year of 2024 to get into the best shape of my entire life at 42 years old. Um, I'll be 43 by the end of 2024, obviously, though. But my goal is to be able to not only complete the high roxes in 2025, but it's actually to be able to compete in my age groups to possibly win uh, those age groups. So I'm going to take this injury and I want to take it uh, to the next level. But to answer your question from earlier, though, um, I would say probably with everything that I did, normally in an injury like this, it could take anywhere between six to nine months to kind of get your confidence back and start to get back to kind of uh, a confident function. But it takes it. But I would say in, in uh, kind of the normal general population, an injury like this takes about a year to recover from. But after about four and a half to five months, I started really feeling uh, confident that uh, I was able to get up and move around with uh, very good confidence. That's awesome, man. I keep hearing the same thing over and over. You set goals, you set goals, you set goals. And the journaling and all of yes. it, it's just so important. And I got to give a shout out to uh, some of the folks over there. I actually had three friends that performed the only time I ever tore a tendon. I was, uh, when I was in graduate school at SMU, we were doing a ropes course and we had this bright idea that was, so you had to go over oh, no. the, the high wall, you know, and the yes. deal is you, you were the, just the way that it was designed, you were going to have one member of the team by themselves and you had to figure out how to get that member of the team up over the wall. And so yes. my buddy, one of my buddies and I, we had this bright idea. Okay. Let's leave John Perry, this guy that's great athlete, former division one swimmer. He was actually a swimmer at SMU at, 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 during undergrad. And, and we thought, okay, John, you run as fast as you can and jump and will and I will grab you by the hands and pull you over. Okay. Good. So literally as a, as, as a former strength and conditioning coach, now a, a human performance director, you, you can see how stupid this was, Brian. I pulled <laughs> my arm out straight like this and wait for him to grab and then just pull. It. And immediately when I pull it, the tendon between my bicep and I guess my forearm, whatever in my elbow in here, just, just tears. And I feel it. I mean, I mean, immediately this hot sensation, I'm like, Oh my God. I'm in my, my bicep just balls up. I knew exactly what had happened. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, I ended up finishing the ropes course that day. It hurt, whatever. But I was like, well, it happened. There's nothing I can do about it. Let's go ahead and get through this thing. On my way home, I call up um, I call up uh, Roger McGowan. No, no, I didn't. I called uh, Rick Phillips up first. I called Rick Phillips, a uh, orthopedic surgeon yeah. at uh, Mother Francis, at Christus. And uh, right. I said, dude, I messed up. I said, I screwed something up. He said, all right, come in and see me. He got me in. This was a Saturday that it happened. By Thursday, I was in his office. He said, yep, you screwed it up. We're going to have to get you into surgery. And then he and uh, another orthopedic surgeon that's with you guys, it's a dear friend, Roger McGowan. And then even the yes. anesthesiologist, Scott Burleson, who I love to death. These three guys mm -hmm. that are also buddies of mine. So I was afraid I was going to come out of the surgery with my head shaved or or something like that because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of scary when you got three buddies and, that it, you know working on you in that compromised situation. But of course, they were all incredibly professional and had me out of there, went through the physical therapy, and it was just an incredible experience. I mean, we're so very fortunate to have you guys here in East Texas. And so I, and that's the only surgery of that nature I've ever had. Uh, but, you know, to your point, uh, one of the things that I I didn't do was like, you know, I mean, I was in a full arm cast and it sucked. But I was like, nah, just got to get through this. And, uh, and those guys were just so phenomenal. So. I can I can say I am a paying customer as well to Christus uh, Orthopedics. So uh, and, it, and it was as good of an experience as that could be, I guess. So so there you go. There, there's my testimony. 
Well, Jason, you know, it's kind of ironic and I don't know if I ever told you this story or not though, but, uh, I had an accident myself where my, uh, left arm got overextended and I had the exact same injury you're talking about, uh, bicep tendon pull on the left arm up. Yeah. So the, my, my left side of my body is just kind of just like, it's just like, it just asked for trouble to be honest right. with you. But, um, yeah, Dr. Hobbs, uh, Dr. William Hobbs, oh, yeah, no, Bill. both my surgeries and, yeah. uh, did a wonderful job. And uh, I would trust him with uh, with any kind of uh, an orthopedic surgery. He is just absolutely incredible. But what was funny, though, is that my first day of uh, physical therapy for uh, the bicep injury was um, the uh, the physical therapist came out. His, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, he came out with a one-pound dumbbell and said, Brian, you're probably going to be able to do this with ease, so uh, don't worry about it. And uh, he asked me to do a, a skull crusher. Well, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And he was actually laughing at me. But the fool, but, but, it, but it was like not so he wasn't making fun of me, but he was just challenging. Yeah. And I will never yes. forget. Uh, I got so angry, like we were talking earlier, but uh, I, at the fact that I wasn't angry at the injury, but I was just angry that I didn't perform at the top level, even in physical therapy. Yep. So I went into Smoothie King, sat in the parking lot, and turned on a song from Pantera called I'm Broken. <laughs> and I just got so pumped up and just like, okay, that's it. I'm taking this on. I walked into Smoothie King and I just got one of those big, huge uh, Hulk drinks to bring in the protein and try to recover as fast as I could. And uh, again, on that one, I think a record might have been set for that one as well, though, to recover from this injury. And it's as strong as it's ever been. So uh, I hear I understand completely where you're coming from with that injury. But, you know, that's the thing, though, man, you mentioned it. It's so many people when these things happen, they just react. They're just reactive to the whole situation as opposed to creating a plan. Like you said, like I said earlier, you keep saying set goals, you know, you just, you got to figure either, either you're going to happen to life or life is going to happen to you. And sometimes whenever the life happens, it sucks, but you get to determine how you're going to react. And it's, uh, I, I got to brag, man, you'll appreciate this one. We're talking on mindset and just attitude. Yeah. So I guess it was, uh, gosh, eight years ago, this past February, February 7th, I'll never forget it. Um, uh, my, my youngest daughter, was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And so if you know anything, and, and because at the time she was 17 and we didn't have a, a pediatric, uh, a doctor, uh, endocrinologist here in Tyler at the time we do now, but we didn't. So they had to care fly her over to Dallas. And if you, whenever you get diagnosed with type one, or you think that that might be the diagnosis, then they basically have to check you into the hospital and you know, you don't get to eat for 48 hours. They're constantly testing your blood right. sugar. You're on an IV. It's just a, terrible situation and abby of course at the time she's she's 17 years old and i remember we're over there at children's and and she said you know dad she said i've thought about this and she said you know i could get really mad and angry she said but that just wouldn't do any good she said so i'm going to figure out a way to to make the best of this and mm -hmm. of all the things i'm proud of both of my girls they're both just exceptional young ladies and but of but that I always tell her, you know, that was the day she became one of my heroes is that, and you know, it, yes. to just to have, and, and, and ever since, and look, you know, for the, I know we didn't come on here to talk about diabetes, but if you happen to be listening folks and wow. you have a child with diabetes that, that they'll tell you, all the experts will tell you, there will come a point where they're going to get pissed and angry and you have to just expect that. And she has, she's had those moments, like when she went off to, uh, to college, you just, you don't get to function normally, but it was her, her headspace and her mindset that still to this day gets her through and and reframing it. And, and it's just an, it's just a challenge that she has in life. And so whether it's an injury, it's a, it's a, you know, an, an, an immunocompromising disease, whatever it is, man, I think that, uh, what you have said on this, uh, during this conversation is so absolutely profound because there's people that are listening to this man that may have gone through a stroke, might have gone through a heart attack, might have gone through anything else. So it doesn't have to just be muscular or uh, or something of an orthopedic nature. Now, where I guess we've gone through pre intra, now the post. We've talked a little bit about that, but what are the the steps that you're taking to get into the best shape of your life, Brian, to make sure that you are back 110 plus percent? What are those things that you're doing to ramp up and to also ensure that you don't push too far? Because I got to believe, I know this is one of my problems. As I get older, I get a little bit better at this. Uh, because I, by the way, you're talking about turning 43 at the end of the year, dude. I just, this past weekend turned 49 brother. So, you know, you got some catching up oh. to do my man. 
Uh, well, so, okay, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 you know, and I'm the same way. I'm like, I, it's just a number. I don't care. I want to defy the odds. I want to be able to do the things I want to do. So yes. what are you doing to make sure you don't overdo it, which I got to believe is probably a tendency other than your, your professional background. You understand this to such a degree that maybe it's not something that you deal with. I know for me, I have to be careful to not push too far. Um, what are you doing to make sure that you calibrate and you actually hit those goals? What does that look like now? One step at a time. I am not looking at this entire situation as going uh, 10 steps forward, because if I do that, uh, if you look at a situation like this post-surgery uh, or kind of post-physical therapy and getting back, to, uh, uh, getting back into it, if you look too far ahead, at some point, you're going to take probably uh, many steps backward, and you're also going to take the chance of re-injuring yourself. So one of the things that I have promised myself all of 2024 is every week it is going to be one step at a time. For example, um, on the treadmill, I'm able to start jogging again, um, but right now I'm only at uh, 5.0 speed. And uh, that is fine. I probably could go a little bit further if I wanted to. I could probably be up to level six at this time if I push myself to that, but I don't want to take the chance. There's just no need for it. There is no reason for it because I've decided to take 2024 to completely uh, rebuild everything to make sure everything is perfect. And um, everything in this kind of regard at this point in time, everything is going to be taken one step at a time and just to focus on every single day and not focus on every single month and not focus on what is going to happen one year from now. Every single day is going to be what I am focusing on at this time. So my personal program right now at this time is on uh, Mondays and Thursdays. I'm focusing on the lower body. Everything from the lower body strengthening perspective is about unilateral, which is uh, one leg at a time. I'm trying to get both of my legs equally strong and get that knee back to feeling completely normal again. And uh, then on Tuesdays and Fridays, I'm focusing on my upper body from a push, pull, and overhead perspective. And uh, just trying to get my upper body as strong and as functional as possible. But I would probably have to say that Wednesdays and Saturdays have kind of become my favorite days because not many people do this. But uh, from everything that I've been through in my physical, physically active life has been um, a struggle because of my lower back injury. So I've decided to take two days of the week to dedicate to core. So I strengthen and do certain movements uh, during my core workouts, which take about 45 minutes to an hour. And I strengthen the core just as if it's another body part. And it has changed the game for me from a longevity perspective. My lower back pain has virtually disappeared. Uh, it was I was so much more prepared to be uh, to get in and out of bed during bed rest. And uh, those workouts, in my opinion, have just really changed the game for me. Is focusing two days a week on dedicating to core. Now uh, I'm also a big believer that uh, in uh, two a day workouts, um, I do okay. conditioning in the morning, which is which is a very Right now, it's very. I'm just training all of the energy systems kind of on their own at this moment in time, which take about anywhere 60 to 75 minutes. I do that four days a week. And Wednesdays and Saturdays, my core workouts are kind of the times where I kind of back off a little bit. Um, but uh, so it's really four days of two-a-day hard workouts and then two days of, you know, calming down the central nervous system. And then Sunday, I just relax. But uh, for, the, for all of 2024, I'm going to basically just base everything on getting back in the game and taking it not one week at a time, not one month at a time, or not even looking at what's happening in 2025. It is literally one day and focusing on every movement as if it's the last movement I'm going to do um, throughout my athletic career. And uh, basically in my mind, I've made up next thing you know, it's going to be 2025. I'm going to be in, in better shape than I ever was even when I was in college. And uh, like you just said a few moments ago, um, my goal is to defy the odds and start and not only recover from this injury, but use it as a source of inspiration to not only complete the high rocks or any uh, obstacle course race I decide to do, but to compete to win it. That's what my goal is at this point in time. And so, like you said earlier, some people, whenever you get into this mindset of having injuries, my, for some strange reason, when this injury happened, I was it, it was almost like I said, good. I got injured. I have the opportunity for a comeback story. Um, I'm like, there's just so many things that came onto this thing where so many people would literally say like, why did this happen to me? I was almost like, good. This is an opportunity to maybe look at something and say, did I do something wrong? Maybe I need to reevaluate. And, and like you said earlier, 
I would have been so much more angry at the situation if it had been, if this had happened when I was training, but it didn't. Right. It was just a complete accident. Uh, like uh, it was just a complete accident and you just can't get angry at that kind of thing. And I like to think that if this had happened in the gym or if this had happened when I was conditioning, I like to think that I would have taken the same approach though, but I think I would have been, it would have taken a little bit more time for me to get uh, less angry at myself if it had been um, in a training perspective. Uh, but I do think it would have, it would have worked out the same way. And I just would have found a way to laugh at it and found a way to continue being positive about it. But Basically, the, uh, as far as post is, uh, post-surgery is concerned, the best advice I can give anyone out there who's going through something like this is one step and one day at a time. I think that's excellent. Now, i got to ask you, because I know the audience is probably wondering if they haven't already Googled it. Talk about the high rocks, because you, you described it to me, and it's like, dear heavens, that's, that's a, that sounds like a challenge. Kind of what exactly, I lost you there for a minute, but I got you back now. What is the high rocks exactly? What does that look like? So tell this audience what you're training for. Uh, Jason, hey, I said we can go back to recording. Uh, so uh, I said, answer question about what is the high rocks? Yeah, let's do it. What t- describe what this is? The high rocks is they call it the World Series of Fitness. It is uh, an amazing event, and uh, I discovered it completely by accident. I was actually studying. Um, I, uh, a trifecta weekend, uh, that's going on in Hawaii for the Spartan race, uh, in 2024, I was actually hoping to surprise my wife to go spend maybe 10 days in Hawaii, um, and possibly do that trifecta weekend and the high rocks popped up on the internet. And, uh, I was just like, well, what is this? And it said it was coming up in Dallas. So basically what it is, it's a combination hybrid program where you have to combine both work capacity, stamina, and endurance at the same time. Uh, through a whole bunch of events. So uh, once you begin the high rocks, you do a one kilometer run, and then you have to step off of the running course and do uh, an event like a 1,000 meter rowing. And you have to do that as fast as possible. And then you have to go back out to the running course and do another one kilometer run. And then you come back off the course and you have to do a skier uh, for 1,000 meters. So it continues in that fashion for, I want to say, eight different events. And um, then and you have to do a one kilometer run in between it all. And it ends with, uh, I think, 100 wall balls um, after you run, I think, like almost uh, four miles um, throughout all this. And uh, there is a sled pull. There's a sled push. There is a uh, farmer's carry with 70-pound uh, kettlebells. Uh, there's a squat jump, uh, broad jump that's in there as well for 100 yards. And uh, then there's uh, knee to the ground lunges with a sandbag. And Jason, that from the first time I did this event, that was the one that got me right there, though, because that was the one I struggled with the most. Because my I'm not as flexible as I would like to be. So when I tried this event, I did it completely on a uh, on a whip. I didn't plan for it. Went out and did it just to see what it was like. And once I did it the first time, I was like, "This is it. This is going to be my." As long as this uh, event continues, I'm going to become an expert on how to run this forever because it's something that no matter what your age, it's a perfect way to defy the odds like you and I have and so much in common. So that's the High Rocks. It's the perfect hybrid event that takes place indoors, but it requires everything from endurance, strength, power, stamina, work capacity, flexibility, you name any kind of thing that the human body is capable of, it's in this event. I love it. And I know we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but Brian, how important is it that you have these events to look forward to just from your, your mental capacity, our ability to be challenged, something to look forward to. How important do you think it is to constantly have something out there that you're pursuing? I think it's only a very small part of it because, um, people who really live physically active lifestyles, it's, it's gotta be more than just a competition. You know, you can't just uh, go into the gym and, and uh, train and say, I'm going to look good in the summer. That's only going to get you so far. Uh, it's, don't get me wrong. That's a very good goal to have. Don't get me wrong. But I'm a big believer that if you're going to live a physically active lifestyle for your entire life, it's got to go a little bit deeper than that. See, for me, I have always been a big believer in preparing for the unknown and being ready for anything at any given time. And that's just one of the... Uh, 
kind of more of the in-depth reasons about why I train as hard as I do. And on top of that, I just love it. It's, I mean, it is a hobby. It started off as a hobby. And uh, then it moved into the concept of getting me better at football. And uh, it was a great way to socialize with my friends when I was young. But every single year, it just developed into something more. And one of the things that I am most proud of is that the uh, mental strength that training has given me over the years has gotten me uh, through eight years of becoming a hospital administrator. So not only did it get me to Division One football, not only did it get me uh, more confidence just overall as a human being, but I took, if I was training in the gym for strength, I took what I learned in the gym and put it into hospital administration. And if I was training for stamina, I would put it into projects that required a lot of stamina uh, to, for example, to build the human performance center. That took a lot of endurance, which I trained for. It took a lot of stamina and work capacity, which I trained for. And you also, for training for flexibility and balance, to be able to learn the job of a hospital administrator, you have to have the flexibility to be able to talk to different people at any given time. And you got to have um, a work-life balance. So if you learn to do that in the gym and show yourself that you're capable of doing those kinds of things, well, then you're going to be able to accomplish anything that you want. And I'm a big believer that that is one of the reasons why I have been at this job for eight years is because my training has had a very big learning effect on becoming a hospital administrator. And it gave me the endurance to be able to go back to school and get my executive healthcare MBA. Right. Right. Well, I think, yeah. Tying a purpose to what you're doing is just invaluable. It just, that's what will get you through those. That's what will get you through those times. You know, willpower is not enough. I always tell people that whenever it's talking about trading, you know, people that have never trained before, willpower is not going to get you. Willpower might get you started, but you got to tie a purpose to it. That's going to, that's going to pull you through those times that you just say, I just don't want to do this. It, you got to be pushing a higher purpose. So very good. Well, Brian, is there anything that we need to cover that we didn't? I think this was an incredible episode. Like I said, I think it became more of a, a mindset episode. I think it was great, all the stuff we talked about as far as how to prepare, go through the, if you get an injury, how to get out of it as efficiently as possible and how to recover. But man, I think there was a lot of gold nuggets of just uh, of mindset in this episode. So brother, this was, this was fantastic. Well, uh, let me, let me end this by saying this. Um, from the concept of what the title of this episode was when it comes to uh, pre, uh, uh, pre-surgery, intra-surgery, and or uh, intra-recovery, and then post-recovery, let me just say this from a bottom line perspective. It is mental. I think that's one of the reasons why this whole entire episode kind of uh, turned into a mental thing, because when you are injured, physically speaking, uh, the only thing you have at that point in time, though, when it comes to your strength is how, is how strong your mind is. And if you can learn how to do, how to go in, into your mind and train in a mind gym almost. If you can just visualize yourself covering, if you can visualize yourself getting better through small band work, through just getting up and walking around your house on the crutches, you know, if you really just push your mind, you go into that mind gym, into that mind zone and visualize yourself covering, you're going to get well that much faster because you're going to stay in that positive mood and you're going to stay in that big positive mindset. My advice as a strength coach, if you get injured, the first thing that you have to do is number one, accept that the injury has happened. Number two, face the injury, no matter how, how scared you are, uh, but face it and accept that it's there and then find out as much as you possibly can on how to recover from it. And then when you are in the process of basically in the uh, intra stage of it, though, where you are allowing your body to rest and recover, the best thing you can do at that point in time, though, is when you set your goals. What is your goal for the day? What is your goals for the week? What are your goals for the month? Basically lay out your plan. That's the time when you need to be remain in the positive mindset, go into your mind gym and say to yourself, this is what I'm going to accomplish intra um, surgery. Then once you move into physical therapy, talk to your physical therapist, learn what you have to do and do what they tell you to do. And, uh, do it to the best of your abilities and uh, go from there. Cause I promise you though, you will recover, but best advice I can give you is to always remain positive and learn to laugh. I promise you that is going to be the best way though, in order to be able to do something of this kind of nature. If you can stay positive and laugh during all of this kind of thing though, and just appreciate all of the people that are in your life that are helping you from your 
loved ones, to your family members, to your friends, to your associates, and even your doctors and physical therapists. You know, same thing because they are there to help you. If you respect them and um, uh, just as much, it's going to change the game for you in any, in any kind of injury situation. I love it, man. All great advice. I, I, th I think probably the best prescription you gave is watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I think that's something that will definitely... That is going to short circuit the trip to recovery as well as anything classic, classic movie. Uh, Brian, pleasure as always, brother. Thanks so much for being a part of the Jason Wright Show. Can't wait to our next conversation. This was a good one, so I appreciate you, sir. Oh, thank you so much, Jason. As always, it was an honor. Thank you thank so much. You bet, man. Well, folks, that does it with my conversation this week with Brian Thompson. Look, here's the thing that uh, I, I think that he just he basically made abundantly clear when you find yourself in those challenging situations our ability to cognitively and mentally prepare and endure is of utmost importance one of the things that he said was uh echoing the words of jocko willing whenever he got hurt he said good it's a challenge that's presenting itself you you make the decision to come out better on the other side of the injury the setback whatever it is like my daughter, Abby said, you can get pissed, you can get angry, but that just doesn't do any good. The best you can do is make the best of the situation and figure out what your purpose in that moment is and react accordingly. You and I, we have the ability to decide how we will react no matter what the circumstance. So we can choose to either be conquerors or to be conquered. And I hope that you will choose the prior. Thank you so much for listening to The Jason Wright Show. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, please, please, please click like or subscribe. Leave a comment. The algorithm really likes that if we start interacting. If you have any questions, please put, on, put them there. And if you are listening on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating there and share this episode far and wide. If you have anyone that has sustained an injury, again, uh, uh, a stroke, heart attack, any sort of setback, please uh, forward them this episode. I'd be really grateful. And until we meet again, do not stop improving. Always in always. I'm Jason and I'm out. Well, that does it for this episode of the Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonwrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out.